Hey, welcome to K-12 Tech Talk. In this episode, we talk about paper cut and printing from Chromebooks, although Chris denies that that's possible. Special guest Matt talks about wiring up buses with cameras. And yeah, that's an IT guy wiring buses. You heard that, right? We talk about how Chris annoyed Google enough on Twitter that they responded to his tweet about admin console release notes. We identify an issue with Chromebook filters that use certificates and students bypassing the certificates. Fix is included in the podcast, by the way. And we briefly mentioned that E-Rate 471 deadline has passed, and hopefully the FCDLs will be rolling soon. Have a listen. All things technical in K-12. This is K-12 Tech Talk Podcast with Josh, Chris, and Corey. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is episode 28 of K-12 Tech Talk. I am Josh. Chris is to my left. What's up? And are we going by your real name, guest, or are we going by the fake name? Yeah, no, sure. We're good to go. Okay, so Matt is that on doesn't, my... That doesn't sound like Corey. No, it's not Corey. This is a, a better looking version of Corey. Much um, <laughs> Matt. I, personality is better. <laughs> Although Matt has less hair than Corey, so there, there is there is one strike. Barely, no, yeah. Matt is uh, Matt is another tech director from a from a district in our area. You have about the same number of kids that actually Chris and I both do, don't you? Right around three thousand. Yeah, just a touch over. Okay, that's cool. So, real quick before we get started, let's talk um, somethingcool.com. Jeremy and the folks over at somethingcool.com. Yes, they are based in Missouri and St. Louis, but they are willing to talk to customers or potential customers from around the country. They do more things than just on site hand holding like they do for Chris. They do uh, remote support, they can do P2 awareness and training. They can do phishing campaigns. Uh, they have a one-stop shop for a number of items. So if you're interested, Chris, give them the email address for Jeremy and those folks over at somethingcool.com. Yeah. So you can email sales at somethingcool.com. Uh, we've never done this before. Their, their phone number, 855-609-2665. If you want to reach Jeremy directly, he is extension 501. One uh, and oh. something else we don't mention about him, and uh, we probably could do that more. But I mean, of course, they sponsored this, so that means that they they work in K twelve. Uh, but we've done several rounds. It's been a little bit, but several rounds of Chromebook purchases from something cool. Uh, they do whatever you want. Uh, Jeremy and I had a quick email exchange this week uh, talking about how Google has gotten rid of cloud print. Uh, he was saying that they were recommending paper cut, and he was kind of picking my brain on what. Uh, what we go with. So let's answer that real quick. So uh, Google Cloud Print going away uh, at my school district, um, and I inherited this. Uh, we just have never supported printing on Chromebooks to begin with. Uh, yeah, we I, say that we don't support it. So that's our answer. I love that idea. But recently, we, we found enough use cases to support printing. We weren't doing Cloud Print. We were doing, what's the, the next one? It was like cups printing. Um, you defined it in the admin console. You didn't need a local uh, executable running on your print manager. It was you more or less defined a IP address and port and queue, I believe it was. 
and inside of Google Admin Console, and it pushed it out to Chromebooks. And and I defined a printer. I used to define a printer in each building that they could print to, and it's typically just for staff because students could abuse something like that, and there was no tracking associated with it. However, this last year, about a year ago now, um, we purchased Papercut. I've been I had been asking for Papercut for quite a while. We didn't purchase it from something cool from a competitor, um, and it is awesome. It, Matt, you've had Papercut for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, so this is our sixth year, I guess, with, oh, uh, wow. with Papercut. Yeah, so and we've been supporting uh, printing from Chromebooks uh, from the beginning. And uh, Papercut has certainly made our life easy. We do that in combination with uh, Prox cards at all of our machines. So, you know, we've done uh, Follow Me Queues with Chromebook print, uh, five years now. And and the Follow Me Queue was the big selling point for me was, you know, we, we kept having a need for uh, our special education teachers to print IEPs. And they didn't like printing it to the copy machine and then running down to the hall to get to the copy machine before somebody else picked up their IEP because, you know, technically private information and nobody really should be seeing it except for the SPED teacher and associated regular classroom. So that follow me queue um, works on Chromebooks, works on Windows machines, works uh, with Active Directory authentication or with, like Matt said, prox cards. So right now we only have one print queue in the entire district and it's a follow me queue. Everybody prints to it. That I, that print job is associated with both a uh, your Google ID if you print from a Chromebook and it's associated to your Windows ID or eight Active Directory credentials if you print from a Windows machine. You go and you scan your Prox card, which is the same card that opens up our doors at the copy machine. It authenticates and your jobs come up on the screen. You tell it which ones you want to print and it prints. The really cool thing that I really, really like is let's say Matt prints a job that's a thousand pages long and he never goes to pick it up, pick it up off the copy machine or release it from the copy machine. Right now we have it set that if you don't release it within 10 hours of printing to the queue, it automatically deletes itself. Matt, do you guys have that setting? We do. We set a 24 hour delay um, on our queue deletion. And I'll add to that, Josh, one of the things that I personally really love about paper cut um, back when we had a, I would say less reliable copier fleet, uh, if you had a job that was mid-queue, say, and the, and the machine broke down, um, we utilized job storage. So I could pull that job and then uh, either put it back in the queue or redirect it to another machine if I needed to. You know, there was no need for the user to recreate that, which is sometimes difficult. Yeah, so there, there's a ton of pluses with Papercut. And, and something that was turned on for us that we really don't use it, and there's kind of some dummy placeholders in place, is the cost per print. So um, now I, I have actually- Big brother. Started, well, kind of. I've started getting emails from teachers saying, hey, is this really what my job costs to print? I'm like, hmm, yeah, but no. So they're at least starting to think, you know, hey, when I print this 35,000 page document, it costs the district $25, you know, so- Do they get that like monthly or weekly or what? I believe it whenever they go to release it, I believe it's on the screen on the copier when they go to release it. Um, I am not sending print reports to them yet, but part of the reporting feature of Papercut on the admin side is you can set up print reports to go to building administrators, district administrators. um, And there's reports from everything from... Um, the number of sheets that the auto delete thing saved you to who's your big printer this week or who's your big user this week and how many jobs did they release. Um, but yeah, we've had it about a year and we, we really like it. We really, really like students print as well, or just faculty staff or what? 
Yeah, students at the high school and middle school, we are using it can like I said, it can authentic authenticate with um, Google credentials. So if a student prints to the follow me, they go to the copy machine, type in their Google credentials, and they can release their print job. Matt, are you guys doing student print? Uh, we choose not to do that, just to you know encourage the the use of. Yeah, I would tend to. Um, the other bonus though that we haven't touched on scanning using paper cut. You know, you can set predefined scanning profiles. So if a staff waves their badge, you could set the scan profile to automatically scan to their email or to a shared drive. Um, so there's no need to load those on each individual copier that's built into the paper cut overlay. And then of course, if you have um, a fleet with mixed models of machines, uh, the paper cut overlay on those machines is, is going to be universal. So no matter which machine you walk up to, um, the look and feel is the same. Yeah, I didn't know that about the scan thing. I'm going to have to look into that because we just had an issue where we had to reload our stupid address book on a bunch of print on a bunch of copiers. The only problem that we ran into is we had probably, well, the copy machine in my office is so old that it didn't, it wouldn't take the firmware for the paper cut UI software or whatever that has to be loaded on the copy machine. Um, so we kind of got caught with a couple, couple copiers that were too old, but we just kind of moved them to areas that didn't need authentication, like our bus garage in my office. Um, but everybody else, central office, everybody's, everybody's using the, the, they have to wave their badge to print. It's pretty cool. And it's a great way to get yourself around the, uh, the reporting limitations, right. In your own office. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As we started pulling printers out of classrooms, uh, as they die or as they have issues and, but yet in the tech office, there's one, three, three printers for four people. <laughs> but that's so we can be close to troubleshoot. Right. So, well, you got to have one of each footprint so you know how to troubleshoot each one. Right. right. right? I mean. For sure. Yeah. So, you guys, how's your week been? I mean, today's Mondays and we didn't have a show last week. And I can go over why we didn't have a show last week as long if I can try and remove my emotions from the situation. Um but that was totally my fault. Well, it was partially Corey's fault too. He was he was supposedly on hold with Disney complaining about his, yeah, his he sent, magic bands. He sent a picture of like his phone being on hold for over an hour, but Photoshop these days. Yeah, I don't I don't believe I just think when I have a show. Um so our student information system was running on a server that the OS was being sun the su- the support for the OS was being sunsetted this year. So we needed to move. So I spun up some new servers, handed the keys over to the student information system company, and said, "Here you go, have at it." Um, when this project started Thursday afternoon, uh, and that was a stupid conversation too. So the the person that was going to do this lives in California. I said, hey, when when can you start? Is six o'clock okay? Yeah, that's fine. So I send out an email to all of our staff saying, hey, there's going to be a couple hour outage for our student information system, um, but it should be back up by eight o'clock. Well, then like 10 minutes later, this guy starts complaining, well, I'm on the West Coast and I was supposed to have dinner guests over at my house. So, you know, that, that puts me starting at four o'clock and if everything goes okay, I'll be done at six and that's when they were supposed to be here. I'm like, I don't care. I I, I I don't care about that. So long story short, his dinner guest canceled. So he, he was going to go ahead and start. So like 6.15, he finally gets started. Sis is down. He said it should take about an hour and a half. It um, Eight o'clock comes and goes. 
and we're still down and I'm watching, I'm remoted in from home. I'm watching, I'm watching VMware and watching him do the same things over and over and over again and get error messages. Um, so long story short, Corey talking to Disney. Yeah. Your sis is down. I was watching the Snyder cut. Yeah. Your sis is down. So long story short, I think I sent you a couple text messages throughout this and I was getting more and more angry as the evening was progressing. Um, I think I went to bed at 11.30 Thursday night, and it finally came up at about 11.05. So instead of an hour and a half downtime, it was about five hours. Um, Sounds right. And and we're still having issues as of today, and today's Monday. So it's been an awesome day. Matt, you've been up to anything early in the... Whose dog? Was that Chris's dog or Matt's dog? I apologize. (laughs) I was going to make fun of Matt. Matt, you got anything... I'm I'm just still reeling over the fact that you were able to 7:30. I know I was so crabby the next day. I was such a not nice person the next day. I need a full eight hour, eight to nine hours of sleep every unbearable. I don't know why that's funny. It is so, funny, Matt. Your big project lately has been your buses. Yeah. So um, you know we, you and I have talked about this um, on and off. Yeah, I for make funny of that I call you a mechanic. You're more mechanic now than IT guy. Yeah, I, I feel like it because uh, I feel like I spend most of my day on a, on a bus anymore. So um, a little while back, we uh, we had made the decision to refresh bus camera system. And so, uh, you know, of course, we had never done that in the past. That had never been in our wheelhouse. And uh, so we put an RFP out and started looking at some different systems. Um, had responses from about uh, four or five different vendors, um, all top-notch candidates. But one of the features that we, we really wanted um, out of our new system was the ability to do live stream. And so granted, this was, uh, you know, about six months ago. Um, and there was really only one vendor that, that kind of um, stood out for us at the time. Um, and of course, with the, the pandemic, you know, a lot of districts were making changes and, and trying to figure out the, the connectivity gap um, at that time. We had already started outfitting our entire fleet with uh, cradle point routers, you know, as a K-12 school district, we have um, first net data plans, unlimited data, on all of those uh, buses with uh, a full cradle point setup, And so we, we were already kind of halfway there with the ability to do live view. And that was one of the things that we wanted from our new camera system was the ability to utilize the tools that we already had in our toolbox um, to extend our, our view and, um, and be able to pull live video off of a bus. And not only live view, but the ability to do live downloads too, which um, again, out of the four or five vendors at the time, there was really only one vendor that was able to do that. So walk, walk me through for a second, the need for that live view and live download. Cause I, I understand, I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't see the use case. What, so, what, yeah. So in our district, and I think you and I've had that conversation before, um, we have a fleet of about 30 buses, um, but those buses do not get parked, um, on a school district owned bus lot. Okay, that's they right. Get, right. So those buses get parked um, in a neighboring town. We don't have control over that facility. We contract the drivers, um, although we own the buses. Um, and so we don't have any control over the, the internet connection to be able to do or standard Wi-Fi download or to easily go out and pull a drive if, if we need to fetch video off the bus. So that's where the, the cellular component became a bit for us, you know, since those buses were remote. Uh, without us having staff over there on that lot. Yeah, that that makes way more sense. I I thought the big driver was, you know, you got you got Betty driving the bus down the highway, and you're wanting to see 
what Johnny and Susie are doing in the in the back seat of Betty's bus real time, which I mean, I, I guess you can do that, but that really wasn't your your driving part of the conversation. No, right? that was not at the forefront of what we were looking for. It was really just to make fetching that video easier and, and more convenient for our admin team. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. having to wait, you know, hours or sometimes days just to be able to get a report on what happened for an incident. Yeah. Okay. That makes way more sense. So now you are in the business of tearing apart buses and putting cameras in buses, right? Yeah. I feel like a pro. I mean, if you've got a, um, if you've got a bluebird or, or an international, I feel like I could take that thing apart and put it back together in a matter of a day. Um, <laughs> so Cause when, when, when I'm years ago at a previous school district, we were moving to cameras on buses and I felt good about the camera part, but the, I mean, you were actually tapping into the bus components. He, yeah, he's like wiring them and every like putting them in, <laughs> taking the ceiling panels out and running cable in the ceiling panels, mounting the cameras in the roof of the bus. That's what Matt is doing. That's yeah, so awesome. We're doing a full five camera system. Um, we do the five point cameras. Install. Uh, where, yep. Okay, tell me where the five are going. Uh, so we've got they're, so they're staggered. So all the cameras now are are one hundred seventy degree view. Um, so you stagger them on the sides of the bus, um, about every three or four rows of seats. So you get actually get a really good view side to side across the bus, um, in eliminating blind spots. So we don't have those blind spots, you know, below seat backs and that sort of thing. I think we have like eight channels. Like we have one looking out the front of the bus. We have one looking at the driver, um, the door. I'm way behind you guys. And then a bunch in the seats. Like we're like two or three. Wow. We're like at the door. You can see driver and door. Uh, and then if there's 30, it's getting the seats. But like Matt said, there's blind spots with that. No, yeah, we, stop arm was. Yeah, so we, in, we, okay. we did the eight channel DVR and we talked about doing some of the external cameras, the stop arm, uh, the stop sign, you know, the windshield right, camera. Right. And of course, we can add those. You know, we have the open channels. It's just not something we felt but, like we needed you're to the, do up front. You're, you're, you're tapping into like the brake line. Yeah, right? so that, that includes well, that in, that includes uh, locating the signal cables and you know left turn, right turn, uh, backup, stop. Like arms if so a bus's brakes go out, bios. it could have been your work. Oh wow! Is that so? True? It's it's funny you say that because we did have one. Uh, no, the true story. I, I think it was our first or, or second bus in the shop. Um, and when we were finished with that bus, um, our supervisor was doing his, his pre-trip to, to take that bus out and put it back on the road. And the running lights were not working on that bus. And of course, we got the blame for it. Oh, you know, sure. Because, yeah. Right. Um, the nerds did this. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, luckily, um, you know, because Big Brother and we have cameras in the shop and everything, we were able to prove that the lights didn't work on that bus when it was pulled in. Oh, wow. We even touched it. So that's funny. Um, but no, to be honest with you, the, um, you know, and I don't normally name the vendor. There's a couple of vendors that do that now. Um, yeah, yeah. But the vendor provided on-site training. So they came out and uh, they sent a technician out to work through the first couple of buses with us. And then they actually had a certification program. So oh, wow. my, my entire team is, is certified installers uh, for this system now. So we're pretty comfortable moving do forward. Do you know, because I'm sure that you guys doing it, you're saving the district some money. Do you, do you know what the cost savings is or is, is, is that why you guys got certified and are doing it? Or is that just what that vendor always does? Um, no, normally they, they would offer to send a team up and do the installs since we were already doing the cradle points on every bus. 
Yeah. Uh, we estimate that there's between a two and a three thousand dollar savings per bus in in labor and having both of those systems installed. So, cool. uh, hmm. you know, that starts to add up pretty quick. Yep. So you were you guys were doing the cradle point installs as well then too. So you were already kind of familiar with the hot lead coming off the ignition and all that stuff. Yeah. And to be honest with you, most of the new buses model, you know, 2018 or newer, they make that easy for you. Um, if you're lucky enough to have relatively new buses, um, they're getting to the point now where they'll even wire, um, you know, they'll have a Wi-Fi module on the fuse block. Um, so for the most oh, uh, part, it's, it's plug and play. Uh, we have old buses here. So we, we, we did get rid of all of our VHS things, but that's not been that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> you still have the VCR on your desk? Uh, at the bus garage, they, they would, st- I, I bet, I mean, real talk, just a couple years out that the last bus finally got rotated out. We don't do like, they rotate out the fleet, like a couple buses a year. Yeah. So you have some buses that are pretty old and like and buses aren't we cheap. Use, I don't even know, know what it's called, but like, well, they're not a sponsor of the show. So we're not going to mention them, obviously, right? but like on the, the computers for the bus garage, there's several different like oh, versions yeah. of software that, that are like standalone yeah. and different cables yep. work with different buses. So they have to know, Oh, this is bus seven. You got to open that program and use this cable. Oh, that's yeah. bus eight. That's this and this. It's terrible. That's this SD card, or you got to pull the drive and yep. hook it up to this USB cable. Yeah. So what Matt's really saying <clears throat> is if he ever loses his job as an IT director, he's opening up a bus garage. Like there's going to be Matt's bus barn out in, you know, Western Missouri. I feel I, like I could do that as a mobile service, Josh. And come oh, you here. probably could. Yeah. I know you could because I'd hire you. You could certify I, you, I ain't Josh. doing it. No, I you want to do no. it, Josh. I I don't know. I like our bus people, but I don't like spending time at the bus car. When I first got married, I changed my wife's uh, brakes, and she was oh fifteen twenty miles down the road, and a like the wheel fell off. <laughs> oh my I gosh! Didn't, I didn't put like all the lug nuts back on properly. Then her. This is a sad story, but funny story. Her her dad ended up he during all that he he had cancer and he was on hospice and he passed away. Uh, he wrote uh, everybody letters. Everybody's letter was super sad, but in my letter it was funny. He said, "Chris, you're not a mechanic. Never try to be one." <laughs> and it was really, I mean, she could it could have been really bad. So I don't I don't do I don't do car stuff. Wow. I stick with computers. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, just wheel wheel off like. It's just, just on the, just there's a wheel on the ground because I do something right. Well, well we're not taking the wheels off of these buses. I mean, you know, but you probably defense, could. We really are just tapping all the electronics. So you know, I do remember though looking at the electron. I mean, it's it's still a vehicle electronics panel. It is still this imitating thing that you're looking at. If until you know it, I guess your certification helped out with that. But I remember looking at bus electronic stuff. I'm like, I don't want to touch that thing. Yeah. There are certain things I know not to touch now. And I just had this conversation last week with our maintenance director about our intercom system at the high school. They're wanting to move a handset. And I said, I'm not touching that. The last time I touched it, we fried it. So, and that cost a lot of money because we had to buy a new card and buy a new handset. I said, no, just call the company up front, have them come run a new cable. We'll move it then. I am not touching it. You got to know your your spot. And I know Matt would touch it. He'd have no problem touching it. I would probably enjoy breaking it, actually, just so we could fix it. Yeah, it's, this is one of those old uh, Duquesne intercom handsets. 
Don't, we do have one of those and I don't touch it. Yeah, we've got like three of them. Um, well, no, that's a lie. We have two of them. Um, Chris, you want to talk about Matt's an Aruba customer too. Chris, you want to talk about um, Aruba and PDS real quick? Or Provision, I'm sorry, we can't say PDS. Yep, Provision Data Solutions, a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Get a hold of Ryan at Provision Data Solutions. And they uh, are typically who I work with uh, for when we are doing upgrades or changes or needing some help with our uh, wireless, with our switching, with our Aruba stuff. Uh, Aruba, also a proud uh, sponsor of this podcast and a couple of things with them. Uh, Atmosphere is coming up. That is April 13th and 14th. Uh, it is uh, You can attend that for free uh, this year. It's a virtual uh, event. Uh, so Atmosphere, April 13th and 14th. Uh, and then a quick little plug to them uh, or something that that, that I was kind of asked to say about them. Uh, no, this uh, is all organic, man. You're Nobody asked us to say any of this. Oh, I'm going to read it like a robot. <laughs> Don't buy a feature. Buy a total solution. Aruba. No, but really talking to Chris at Aruba, what made us pick Aruba oh, and that's because we was... don't just use it for access points. We 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 use Airway, we use ClearPass. Uh this summer we're hoping to move uh to one SSID for your uh, entire district. Yeah, we're tr- we're trying to get there. Navigating through that to use ClearPass to get us there to do that. Right. We just launched at the high school. That SSID is alive. Uh people can jump on it and join it. Uh, they get the prompt on if they're guests or if they're going to be a legit device on it, that kind of thing. We're not broadcasting it, like publicizing that we're doing it, but we're watching kids, of course, fumble around and get there and they're figuring it out on their own, which is what we want. So are their Chromebooks automatically joining that or do they have to? So it is, it is tapping into Google admin console. So then you have a trusted list of devices. Uh, So that's what you'll do with your windows computers as well. So they will not get a, when they join that network, they won't get the, Prompt, prompt. The GUI. Uh, they're just going to go to what VLAN they're supposed to go to and be on their way. That's cool. Yep. So check out Provision Data Solutions. Uh, they are great. Uh, I was just doing an email exchange with one of their guys today uh, with a problem that we're having. And then check out Aruba if you are looking for wireless. Yeah. So to talk about Matt, have you ever been to Atmosphere? I have not. They used to call it Airheads. I, I went um, in Vegas when it was called Airheads and that it was really cool because you have like direct access to engine product specialists, product engineers, um, heads of product lines. Uh, the CEO is there. This was before HP bought them when I was there last. Um, they they make their people very very accessible. And when it my, was in, go ahead. My network admin has gone, and that's what you just said is one of the biggest things that he's come back with. Like he has talked about sitting at the table for lunch. And then some very high up person in Aruba sits down next to him and he doesn't even realize it till towards the end of the conversation because they're just having this great conversation uh, going on, talking about K-12, what are the needs of K-12, that kind of stuff. And like every time he's gone, that's what he comes back with. He's like, hey, I met so-and-so. This is their spot, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And and they throw one heck of a party. I mean, all their extra stuff in the evenings was always fantastic. So I am sure, even though it's virtual, I am sure they will do an outstanding job with atmosphere again this year. Again, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. We will put the link to register for atmosphere in our podcast episode description. So make sure to, to check that out and 
if you're an Aruba customer, join for free. There's no no harm in that, right? It's free. You, you get you get to tell your boss you're in a in a uh, conference for a couple hours, a couple days a week. Take off those two days. Stay at I, home. I didn't say that, uh, Matt. You you guys use Aruba too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, we're just looking to to spin up some clear paths ourselves. So Chris is a little ahead of the game there, but we're we're doing on that path. Don't don't let him fool you. Provisions doing it. That is true, Jeff. At provision has done the bulk of the work. Jeff and Derek are fantastic. Yeah, so um, Aruba has definitely that ClearPass product. Uh, I I hear more and more people. Listener Pate is, I believe, looking at getting it or is filed a 471. That was what I was going to mention. The 471 deadline was last Thursday, I Thursday. believe. I um, right. So they should be coming out with uh, FCDL soon, right, Matt? Do you know? Uh, yeah, I do believe the first wave here uh, is is typically announced uh, a couple weeks after the filing. Yeah, it should be. I had heard April first, so that's Thursday. So I'm hoping uh, Friday. I've got a bunch of 471s that are in wave ready status. So I'm hoping that as soon as they start releasing those FCDLs, that um, my stuff will be in one of the first waves. Of course, my firewall, if you're keeping track at home, is still stuck in f- awaiting further review. Um, so I'm kind of frustrated by that, and I know. But exactly that's your what fault. It is my fault because I probably put the stupid SFP for the uh, fiber connection in the wrong category in the FRN. So they have got to go. And why I know that is because I did the same thing with my Switch 471. They went back and it went to awaiting further review. They went in and they changed the SFP category to, I don't know. I was going to say that, that'd get fixed. That's yeah. So once they fix it, it's fine. But this stinking 471, USAC, if you're listening has been in awaiting further review for probably a month and a half, if not longer. So I've waited long enough. Dang it. I, I think you probably just got your on the bottom of the Or I just mm-hmm. got myself an audit. Um, That's I a full you, PIA review. Yeah. 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 That'll be a full PIA review. Yeah. Like that time they <laughs> tried taking. Um, anything else going on? God, that was horrible. That was our first Midwest, our Mo Tech talk. That was awful. Uh, Tell us about that, Josh. That was that was a that was the big reason why we no longer use the E-rate consultant we were using because they screwed up royally some paperwork and we almost had to pay back a bunch of. Didn't was, you said that was the wasn't there a, that was first? No, that was second. That was the second. Well, wasn't there talk. a Motec talk where you left early because you had servers go down? Yeah, that was the first Motec talk. Yeah. That was, uh, it seems like every year that I've been there, we've had construction projects and any construction project, they either find my fiber or they cut my power. <laughs> and, um, I had to leave the first one early because they were cutting my power and my server rack had to be powered off. So, I remember that. Yeah, this that year was... you're having new fiber put in hopefully, right? So they'll, well, yeah, they'll, cut, and... they'll cut the old fiber and put the new in at yeah, the same time. Right. Exactly. Well, okay. part of that fiber actually has to be delayed because we might be adding on to a building. And part of the path, the new path is going to be right where they're building on to one of the buildings. So now that has that leg has to wait, I think. But I am shocked if you are in the market for new single mode fiber runs, I am shocked at how low these costs are coming back. Like, I don't know what my total distance is, but my campus is all within walking distance of each other. The furthest, the furthest buildings might be, I don't know, three football fields apart, maybe. But my total cost to refiber um, right now is right around forty-seven grand. If I take out that one leg, I'm down to like thirty-six grand, and that's 
that's with directional boring. That's with the cost of the glass, getting it all spliced. Um, hmm. I, I'm shocked. I, I was estimating closer to, if not over a hundred grand. So fiber is really, really cheap. That so, sounds too good to be true. So you'll have to let us know how that yeah, turns out. I, I agree. And I, I would be way more suspicious than I am, but I had, um, so I got three bids total. I had three different vendors come out on different days and we walked the same path, every one of them. So they all were planning on doing directional boring for parts of it. Um, they're all really close. They're all within, I would say 20 grand, the low and the high. So it's not like I've got one outlier that's crazy cheap. They're they're all pretty darn close, which was pretty surprising. Sweet. So I don't have. Really what we did have a email. I was gonna say, we, yeah. Was this another Corey fan? No, no. This so this is Dan, and we've actually had an email from Dan before. I don't. I don't think he's Dan, a Corey fan. He doesn't. Is there doesn't. more than one? Well, good point. Uh, I'm gonna. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let me jump down here. Uh, talk about the recommendation, uh, and do you, do you guys do this, uh, with group policy or with Google admin console, uh, to deny all Google Chrome notifications? He says, do you guys do this? A lot of scary things can be done with them. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And I totally know the use case or the one of the scary things is some uh, scareware sites can take over those notifications and then you're constantly getting pop-ups, annoying, sometimes dirty pop-ups. Um, so I totally understand the use case for disabling those uh, Chrome notifications, but I honestly am going to have to look to see if I've done that. Have you guys done it? I, I know that we have had that discussion in my office. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I think we may be blocking notifications for students. Um, I do not believe for They're not the ones you have to worry about. Yeah, that's that's true. Most of them. I know that we still allow them. And I don't say that as like a, and we should, but I know that we've had, it was like a, uh, it was a free uh, like doc to PDF converter that, yeah, kids and teachers were putting it, you know, download the Google Doc and make it to a PDF or whatever. It was this little extension that would run. And then and it was good, fine and legit and would have been one of the recommended things that we would have told people to use. And then it got bought out or something. The company changed. Uh, and when it updated uh, what Josh talked about with inappropriate pictures popping up as notifications, uh, that's what started happening. And it was this really interesting thing. So it ended up just being, it was coming from this PDF converter. Uh, so are you, are you guys blogging notifications now? No, we still let them roll. Awesome. Um, you know, this also reminded me of the thing, Matt, that you brought up today um, in a discussion, the certificate, the MoTeC director email about the certificate and filters. What was yeah, that called? Yeah, there's certificate trust uh, settings. So if that's uh, if that's if if you're using a particular um, web content filter um, that utilizes an underlying certificate, uh, be sure that you disallow, uh, particularly students, the ability to manage certificates on those device devices. We've had a, a couple of instances where uh, students have untrusted um, particular kits, it, which then allows them to look at actually anything they want. I'm going to try and pull that up real quick. If I remember right, that it was actually affecting more than one filter, right? I believe so. Yes. So um, we know it was affecting securely. And was it also affecting GoGuardian? 
Was that the other one that was mentioned? I believe there was more than one. I, I don't know. Okay. But I know it was affecting securely and that's who we use. They're not a sponsor, but they could be if you guys are listening. I know we've had some heart to heart conversations with securely recently about some issues that I have with their product. Um, so if you are a securely user or if you are a filter, a user of a filter that does leverage certificates on client devices, this is what you need to change. Chrome settings, user settings, and then scroll down until there's two certificate management policies. You need to set both of those to disable user, or I'm sorry, disallow user's ability to manage. Um, so what's going on is by default, that is set to let user decide, I believe. And the students are invalidating the securely certificate or the filter certificate that allows that kind of that man in the middle process to take place or, or um, on a uh, packet inspect HTTPS traffic. Um, so when they invalidate those certificates or, or untrust those certificates, um, it breaks the filter, plain and simple. They can get around nice. the filter. So I changed it today. We'll see what happens. Um, Matt, you made that change today too, didn't you? We did, yes. Yeah. Did you hear any screaming or gnashing of teeth? No, we, we changed that setting uh, domain wide, actually. Oh, did uh, you really? Not just okay. for students. And, Big time. You know, I like breaking things and we didn't get to do that uh -huh. today. So tomorrow's a new day. Yeah, tomorrow is. A Speaking um, of Google, okay. uh, and I don't oh. think that we've said this on air, but if you check us out on Twitter, K12 Tech Talk Pod, <laughs> uh, we kept tweeting at Google uh, for stupid release notes because Google Admin Console was changing and uh we didn't like it and we we didn't know like why are things changing you're not telling us well we we finally got a tweet back uh and they sent us to um i mean a support uh website that you can sign up for these email notifications and the only thing that and i tried to reach out to them as a follow-up i'm sure that we had hit the annoyance level but I know that like I do you, get the you hit the annoyance. I, yes, I'm sure I did because I forever ago had signed up for the release notes and I get them in my inbox. Like they're for I thought I was. Yes. Yeah. They're, so yeah. there's another at some point in time, this new thing, which isn't new, it's probably been around for a long time and I just didn't know or we just didn't know or whatever. But there is another website, another support place to go to sign up for these email uh, updates where you can just go to this website and they do list them all in pretty good detail. So if you hit Twitter and you go to our Twitter handle, which is K12 Tech Talk Pod, um, you can probably see the interaction between Chris and Google and more or less the Google people telling Chris, shut up. Um, yeah. but they do give him the link for the admin console release notes. It was kind of funny to watch that whole exchange. I tried happen. to slide into their DMS too. <laughs> I said, I, I got it pulled up. So like that in the middle of the tweets, we were going back and forth and I said, Hey, I, don't you always like send off an email and, and then you look back and read it and you're like, Oh, this is kind of funny. <laughs> or I should have, maybe I was coming in too hot. Did hey, they send that back as a, let me Google that for you. Chris? Right. No, that'd have been hilarious. <laughs> Hey, it's Chris. Uh, we were just tweeting. <laughs> I'm a tech director at a school in Missouri. And I do this podcast with two other guys. Uh, we talk K-12 Google technical stuff a lot. We've been having lots of questions about licensing. And anyways, would somebody be able to come on the pod and discuss? And then like a minute passed and I said, yes, no, maybe. <laughs> and then nothing. And that was when he, they, they even when they tweeted me and I didn't pick up on this at first, uh, that was in a direct message. Well, the one tweet, they tried to answer my licensing question 
that was in the my direct message. Oh, like they, they tried to. So like they they saw it. Right. They just chose to not. They ghosted you me, uh, directly. That's okay. fine. They did answer, and that's what that's, that's what we wanted was an answer. That's fine. Okay. This has been a good episode. I, I don't know that we really missed Corey. We didn't. Which I guess it's spring break. No, is it his spring break or is he just? No, being... he's just taken off. My wife did tell me. So, okay, this is a good one. Oh, when you take off, like you're going on vacation. Yeah. Do you let everyone in the district know? No. So I guess Corey, my wife is telling me this and she works where Corey works. He sent like a mass email. To let everyone know he was leaving. I would like to have a copy of that email. I, wonder, I, I actually, I was like, I, I want to read that to see if like you misread it. You know, maybe it wouldn't. Take yeah, was it like a humble brag? Like, I'm leaving. Be on your best behavior. I'm going to Disney. Because he even she she had a, like a website question or something, and he said, "Don't don't bother uh, me. Don't yeah." He, he was like, "Don't email me now because it's just gonna get buried in my email, and then I won't <laughs> like." Corey, like even when you take a day off, you you still have a responsibility to check your email like later. Now I I now I you I just will click say, select all in archive. You don't look at anything. No, but I'm not. Depending on where I'm going and what I'm doing, I'm I'm not going to open up my laptop nightly and and read my email and respond. Yeah, but when you get back, aren't you going to look? Well, yeah, but how many how many emails do you think? How I don't know how long he's gone. How many emails do you I think, think? It's like a week or two. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of emails. Like I get an unmanageable amount of emails every day. Yeah. Huh. Maybe we should. I I feel like that's almost a challenge to see, you know, how many emails he gets between the time he gets on and off Splash Mountain, you know. (laughs) It would be a good if we could get him to remember when he comes back on the show, like how many emails did you get? Text text him. him. Yeah, we'll text him and tell him that. But that, that would be rough to to like like this i we were supposed to go to alaska this summer for two weeks i there it would have been very difficult for me well one it would have been almost impossible in certain areas where we were going for me to even think about checking my mail so that coming back from two weeks to unread messages is a nightmare that would be horrible i don't know that i could handle it what would happen to you what do you mean like I would just start. You said you don't stuff. know that that you could handle it. Like you're at no. Your I end, I like... would just I would start deleting things. And I normally don't. I I have I very rarely delete a message. Like I'll ignore it, but I'm not going to delete it. You de- I never delete. I just archive. I don't archive. They also I've you're got those. Uh, five thousand three hundred and thirty-five unread messages in my inbox right now. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. This is why Google is implementing new storage policies. That and that's no. For those of you that haven't heard, that's weird. That number just changed. Now it's four thousand eight hundred and seventy-one. Um, but I don't know at the bottom. I have seventy-eight gig in my mailbox, according See, to Google. You're the reason that unlimited storage is going away. So yeah. I, I just I want to personally thank you. What's your mailbox? I, there are thirty-seven items in my inbox. I don't eight. How, but what's your storage? You're still archiving, and that archive counts. Oh, you're, I mean, yes. I don't know that I can see that in this app. I think you my, can. My inbox is, is under four gigs. I know for sure. Really? Yeah. What do you do with all your mail? I love the delete button. Oh, I can't do that. I can't either. Because I when you, you're going to need that mail. I later. use it all the time. Me it's too. my ammunition. Well, yes. that's what Vault is for. Nah. We talked about this in 2015. Don't you remember? No. Yeah. And I forward them the email. I'm not cracking vault for something like that. 
and it's and it's a pain to get something out of vault anyway no it's okay well they changed that gui you yeah probably, i haven't you used it probably didn't know i didn't know you didn't I see just, the notes yeah right yeah yeah i yeah but vault is like the black hole like yeah you go in but you may not come out yeah i don't want to be involved um well actually you can do everything in in the new investigation tool with google that you can do in vault like i was troubleshooting some of this stupid student information system stuff with the investigation tool anyway i haven't played with that yet it is super nice if you are paying up on the google admin uh workplace for education premium pro super duper elevated level um if you go into admin console, go to security and then investigation tool, you can do some really cool reporting in there. I went there and then I didn't do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, we've we've been able to to track down several issues in the last two weeks with that tool. And it's it's awesome. It's hey, really I, cool. I did find out this week I'm that I made a good decision a while back that I didn't know I was doing, I guess. You married but, Stephanie? Well, yeah. Uh, I locked in the Google... licensing pricing i I did a three-year contract we did too and so we get that top tier we get oh nice top notch i confirmed it yeah awesome just add it they'll add a higher tier next year chris yeah (laughs) right they'll find a way yeah they'll find a way dang I i didn't screw up all right Good episode, guys. Matt, you did really well for your first show. Good job, Matt. I feel like a good stand-in for for Corey. Yeah, you know, I think we'll have to have the like fact a... that he skipped. You know, last week for not getting his pink magic band or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I wonder you know. what color do you think his magic band is? It might be. I was thinking green, uh, red for. Uh, I think red Iron Man. If I'm being serious, I'd say red. Yeah, Matt, you have a vote. I, yeah, you know, I I would go with with green or or yellow. Because uh, I think Corey likes to be. Oh yeah, he likes attention. All right, well, guys, pink wasn't for... available. That's what. I, that's why. I well, said. I'm sure one of his yeah. daughters got pink, or his wife. Um, so hit us on Twitter, K12 Tech Talk Pod, and our email address is K12 K12 Tech Talk at Gmail dot com. Go visit our fit. Our holy cow! I can't. It's talk. okay. It's light. It, it's 9.07. I'm ready for bed. Go visit our sponsors, somethingcool.com and Provision Data Solutions. Um, give those guys a call. Go register for Atmosphere. And we'll see you next week. Thanks.